0: Welcome to Socially Distant, Spiritually Close, a podcast dedicated to exploring the biggest spiritual questions of this complex and challenging moment. I'm your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf.
1: We're gonna take a few moments now to think about and talk about our Torah portion, uh, which as I mentioned before is Parshat and more, begins uh, with Leviticus chapter 21. and uh, and before i uh, introduce a little bit from the torah portion uh let's just offer a uh, blessing for studying torah together baruch atah adonai elohim melech haolam asher k'chaduv mitzvotam mitzivanu lasok devar torah uh so the portion begins by yomer adonai el Moshe le mor byomer adonai el Moshe, and mor eloch ani ben v'amarta martah alehem le nefesh loy tamave The infinite said to Moses, speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, none shall defile himself for any dead person among his kin, except for the relatives that are closest to him, his father, his mother, his son, his daughter, and his brother, also for a virgin sister close to him because she was not married. For her he may defile himself, but he shall not defile himself as a kinsman by marriage, and so profane himself. The text goes on to uh, introduce any number of uh, commandments and restrictions that are imposed upon the priesthood uh, in order in the words of the uh, of the text uh, so that the priests shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the gifts of the infinite the food of their God, and so must be holy. Uh, it talks about who the priests can and can't marry uh, it talks about. Uh, um, uh, uh, what the priests can and can't do as they are officiating, um, and it even talks about uh, what uh, what what physical uh, uh, disabilities and deformities might uh, disqualify a person or exempt a person uh, from the priesthood. Uh, the laws are uh, at once somewhat inscrutable uh, and yet somehow influential within Jewish tradition, uh, and. Challenging in, in any number of ways, um, and so i've uh, brought a uh, a friend a guest uh, with us today to uh, help us make sense of all of this and to talk about what it might mean for our lives and our world today um, a real life priest and a very dear friend, uh, the Reverend uh, Charlie Dupree, who is the rector of st paul's Episcopal Church uh, here in Richmond. Uh, Reverend Charlie, are you there?
2: I'm here. Hello. All right. Hi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, I don't know to how to get you.
2: myself to pop up in the correct place, so I'll leave that up to you to, to, to put me where you want in the Brady Bunch thing. <laughs> going on
1: here. Yeah, I don't know how to do that either, honestly. But I think if everybody has active speaker view, they'll see you uh, as you're um, uh, as you're as you're speaking. Um, okay. And and how. Uh, I didn't ask you this uh, before, I probably should have, um, what's the best way to uh, to address you uh, in, uh, in a forum like this?
2: Oh, Charlie, that is, uh, you know, some places are, are more formal, they say Father Charlie or Father Dupree, but um, I, I leave it up to individuals piety, um, what they're comfortable with, but I'm comfortable with Charlie.
1: All right, great, so I'll call you Charlie and you call me uh, Mike uh, in this and in all times. Um, All right. So. uh, So first, before we get into it, um, tell me, how are you? How is your congregation? How's your family?
2: Um, They're great. Um, As far as I know, nobody in my congregation has been directly affected by uh, COVID-19. Of course, their family members, there are friends, there are people who have um, tested positive kind of all around the country and the world and uh but in in terms of my actual congregation i think everybody is safe um uh everybody here in my household is fine we are super careful about where we go and and what we do and um but we are we're fine yeah thanks for asking
1: and i noticed uh that uh that st paul's is doing a lot of um great things to support and benefit the community during this time. You want to share with us a little bit about what you guys are doing?
2: Yeah, um, St. Paul's is blessed with a a tremendous amount of resources, uh, both financially and in our physical site. So one of the things that uh, we dedicated ourselves to and consider essential, in fact, our bishop, who's kind of my higher up, um, said that if if we're doing anything to uh, speak into um, the healing and the health during this crisis, and uh, especially feeding ministries during this crisis, that we were encouraged to do so. So, we have um, let this group called the Underground Kitchen use our facility, and many other Episcopal churches have done the same. We've got a really great kitchen, and so they've been coming in throughout this time to to make bread and to soup that they're giving out to our. Um, homeless community, as well as to physicians who are struggling with finding time and space to, to have and create meals. So they're doing that. Um, and then we just established last week, a COVID-19 relief fund. Um, our vestry dedicated $150,000 um, to a grant process where we can help small businesses and nonprofits continue their work of lifting up and, and supporting the community. And, uh, as of, as of yesterday, we had some 35 applicants already. So I know that money's going to go really fast.
1: That's, that's, that's so extraordinary. Um, yeah. as, as we say, in, as we say in Jewish, Koach, which means great work. Um, hey. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, that it's, uh, it's, it's very much, uh, uh, part of this week's Torah portion is not the part we're going to focus on, but um, the, uh, the, the portion goes on to talk about um, uh, the, the laws of uh, what, what, what are called in Hebrew peah, um, which means that you're supposed to leave the corners of your field uh, unharvested um, so that all who are in need can come and, and, and take what they need. Uh, and also leket, that, uh, that things that you drop as you're gleaning your crops um, uh, don't belong to you anymore. They belong to the poor to come and take as they need. And, and you're really modeling that and, and living that out uh, as a congregation during this time of need. So, um, it's, it's really extraordinary to hear and, and thank you for all you're doing. Um, so, okay, let's, let's get back into these laws of the, of the priesthood. I know both you and I, uh, are not, uh, uh, Leviticus scholars. Uh, we, we, you know, we Pretty intense. <laughs> we, we sometimes, we sometimes play them on TV, but, uh, but it's not necessarily our, our background and our training, but what do you, what do you make of these laws of the priesthood as they're kind of laid out in, in 21 Leviticus chapter 21?
2: Uh, yeah, they're, they're intense and they're, they're very specific. I, I kind of tracked all the way back to, um, to chapter 15 in doing my homework for this. And, and again, really, really specific about who may or who may not. Uh, uh, be be a part of this. Be in this role. Um, I guess what what I do I, I, probably it's 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 important to know that I tend to, uh, to 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 take a pretty high view of of scripture, like from thirty thousand feet. I think it's helpful to be able to observe what what the overall narrative is saying. Um, I think there are times to zoom in and dive deep and really explore and study. Uh, but in this case, um, what. Generally, if we're just kind of starting this conversation, I think that they uh, that these that these rules and these descriptives are intended to um, start up a structure, start a pattern for how um, God wants to be in relationship with God's people. And we all know that whenever we start something, we can get really, really detailed and we can kind of. Uh, really uh, get lost in the weeds, and it's important to do that. It's always good, I think, to be very specific in the beginning. Um, but anyway, I just I see this, I see these rules and these prescriptions as a way of of guarding relationships, the relationship that priests have with their people, the relationship that God has with priests, the relationship that God wants to build with God's people, um, and I. I I, I value that. I, I think it's really important to, um, go ahead and set up something, uh, that, uh, kind of creates the rails moving forward.
1: You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, the, the, the guarding is like very present in this text, right? The, the boundaries are very present in this text. Um, and, uh, there are like kind of two dimensions of that, that, that strike me, you know, one is, you know, um, what are the, what are the roles that boundaries play in the life of ministry? Right. That, uh, um, you know, that, that we're, we're in a a profession, which we, you know, um, you know, strive to, to serve and, and help people and be present for people. Um, uh, and, and yet, you know, um, that can be really daunting and really challenging. Um, uh, to, to not give all of ourselves all of the time, such that we have, have nothing left to give ourselves. Um, so that's one dimension of it. And another is um, there's something about this text that, that seems to be setting up the priest as like really distinct and really unique from other people. Um, the idea like you must treat them as holy. There's a note in, uh, in, in our, in, in our uh, Bible commentary. Um, that says, you know, that that religious leaders um, are no different from other Jews. They have no special powers, no obligations devolve on them that do not apply to Jews. Um, ten shoemakers can make a minion uh, or like a prayer quorum, but nine rabbis can't, right? In other words, there's nothing special um, about, uh, about religious leaders in today's Jewish life. But the way the Torah is talking about uh, priests kind of sets them up as like, really different from other people. So I I wonder if you can reflect on those two aspects of like boundaries of, of a minister and ministry, uh, and also like the relative uniqueness and distinctness of um of of a of a faith leader, um, at least in your
2: tradition. In my tradition, um, we are ordained. Uh so we we have our hand our ha- bishops lay their he- their hands on our heads and that puts us as a part of this kind of apostolic succession that takes us all the way back to Peter all the way back to Jesus and then Jesus um the 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 claim to his big priest priestly kingship is Melchizedek right which it has a connection to Noah so it there's for for whatever that's worth that's that's kind of the leap that uh the New Testament Takes with regard to Jesus, but I just
1: want to I just want to point out for, for our congregants that you might recognize that uh, character um, from uh, the Torah portion of Genesis called Lech um, that uh, after Abraham helps uh, 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 fight a war that uh, rescues his nephew Lot, uh, he's greeted by a guy named Melchizedek, uh who's uh, the the uh, the king of Shalem uh in uh in that text which uh rabbinic tradition says is actually jerusalem. So that's one of the earliest connections that our tradition has uh to the to to what what eventually becomes to be called Jerusalem is through Abraham being blessed by uh this not the king the, the priest of the most high uh who is uh named Malchit Zarek there.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I I mean I think that kind of stuff is really is really cool. Um but but I, I I'm what I say is to, to be ordained in my tradition. I've, I've got two um, definitions that I work work off of when when you think about being ordained, which is what makes me a priest. One of those things, one of those definitions, is to be set aside. You know, things that are ordained are set aside, um, and I think that is a really important thing today. I think it's important that we do have things set aside. Uh, to remind us of our connection to each other and to God and to the planet. Because I think that the world zooms by that and and we need people and places to remind us that there are places and times um, set aside for the holy. So in many ways, I I try to model that. I try to model what it looks like to observe the Sabbath and to, uh, to pray and to be kind and to show compassion. Um, I, I think that's that's one aspect of how we how we do that in the world to be set aside and then the other definition of a priest that i really like is that a priest is a handler of holy things a handler of holy things and uh even in in this um, in Leviticus it talks about how a priest is to manage um, sacrifices and incense and uh, different um items that are there for worship. And I think priests, uh, in my tradition, we, we handle the sacraments. Uh, we uh, pardon people. We offer blessing. Um, and I think that's, uh, again, that's important for, for there to be a place where people can come and hear that they're going to be okay and that they are loved and that there's such a thing as grace. Um, And that there is there is space for forgiveness and for reconciliation. I think these are holy things. And uh, I also feel like as a handler of holy things, I I get to be involved in people's lives in a very, very intimate way. Um, You know, I've I've been with with parents like right after they've had birth. Who? <laughs> That's just not a, a space people get to go into, right? Um, I, I've been with people at, at their deathbed. Um, uh, you know, these are, these are the holy things that I feel like priests are allowed to, to manage and to negotiate. Um, and, I, and I do think we're, we're called to be a good steward of those things. I don't think that I'm any better than any other person at the same time, I think that I have taken, um, uh, I've promised to live under vows, and that that has to look a certain way for me, um, because I I am kind of a spokesperson for the for the whole church, and I don't want anything to to damage, um, to to damage that.
1: So, would you say? I mean, what you're what you're pointing at there? I, I hear uh, elements of. Um, a privilege and burden in what you're and what you're describing. So, how would you describe your uh, your you know your ministry, your priesthood? Is it is it a privilege or a burden or some combination?
2: It's totally a combination. Uh, f- for the most part, it's. I mean, I'm eight months, eight or nine months new at St. Paul, so it's a privilege right now. Everybody loves me. However. <laughs> I know that that is, that is not in the cards for the rest of my time. You know, we, we all know this. Um, So it, it is a great privilege. I love, I love being a priest. Um, I love helping people create language around how to negotiate their relationship with God. I think that's the other role that I see um, that kind of comes through in in Leviticus is how do we help people negotiate their relationship with God? Because, you know, that's, that doesn't come naturally for some people. Um, and when people tell me that I'm able to manage um, really hard situations well, I think, oh, well, that's, you know, that's just kind of a, a gift that I have. I don't feel like it's a really big deal. So it is a great privilege. Um, and it is, and it is a burden in that I never, Get to not be a priest. Um, even when I go away on vacation and I'm in, you know, restaurants with people, and they ask me what I do, sometimes I'll dodge that for a little bit, <laughs> just because I know what'll what what will happen once I tell them I'm a priest. Um, I had I had
1: a teacher in rabbinical school who said that uh, that that he would uh, um, come up with new uh, professions to uh, to claim that he was like on airplanes to avoid airplane conversations. He like try to figure out which one would shut the conversation down. He settled on pornographer. <laughs> 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 that usually stopped the conversation. Like oh okay
2: okay. Uh, uh, but it, it it's a privilege. I, I love it. I can't imagine doing anything. Anything different, and um, I particularly like to to create space and help help young people, young adults, college students reimagine um, or it actually use their imaginations, use their creativity uh, when they come into the presence of God and and in the midst of community.
1: There was something that you said to me uh, yesterday when we were uh, touching base about this morning's conversation that I that I loved. No wonder if you could unpack a little bit for us. You, you talked about the difference between um, a priest and a prophet, as you understood it. Could you, could you share that with us and, and and walk us through that?
2: Yeah. See, the other thing about being a priest and, and the leader of any faith community, Mike, I know you experience experienced the same thing, is we have to wear different hats all the time. Like, uh, I will put on an administrator hat and deal with HR. Um, I'll put on a, um, a facilities hat and deal with, like, when do we need to paint the fence? I'll put on a pastoral care hat. Uh, to, to go visit people in the hospital. And I really like that. I like to change gears. Um, but as a, a, the difference between a prophet and a priest, as, as I understand it, is a prophet is intended to bring God down to the people. You know, the prophet was the one to say, hey, this is what God is saying. This is what God wants to happen. And some of those prophets did not want to be prophets, but they were burdened, <laughs> I guess, with that uh, role. So the prophet- well, a, brings, lot of pe- a lot of
1: people didn't want them to be prophets either.
2: Right, right. So, and I, where I'm going with this is I am not a prophet, although that feels like one of the roles I have to play one at some, t- at some points. But the, the prophet brings the God to the people and then the priest- is there to help bring the people to God. And and it goes back to that um, privilege that we have of helping our congregations, helping our people, helping the world, helping the community find their way to God, because they don't always have that path. I think that God always leaves that path open and is creating those paths continuously. Um, But they, the people don't necessarily know how to how to get there, and so I think um, priests and our faith communities are there to help bring people to God, so that they can feel like they're 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 on that slow, steady movement toward God. Um, Eagerly I seek you, the psalmist said. I seek your face. You know we are there to help to provide those worship opportunities and uh, service opportunities where people can can catch those glimpses of God and um, feel like they're in direct relationship. And I think I read somewhere, too, that that was the role of the the priest um, in receiving sacrifices. Like The the people would, would take it only so far, and then the priest would kind of silently continue that work on the people's behalf.
1: You know it's interesting. What I'm imagining by what you're saying is that the, the priest really kind of inhabits two worlds simultaneously, right? The the priest inhabits the the world of the holy, the world of the divine, and inhabits the the, the world of the human. Um, and and as I'm looking at these uh, guidelines and instructions to the priesthood here, like like maybe that's some of what's going on, right? It's like you know the the Bible says you know get married, but you're, we're gonna like restrict who you can and can't marry. You know, so as to like kind of keep you somewhat in the realm of the human, but also keep you somewhat in the realm of, of what's distinct or separate or 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 uh, or holy, um, which is uh, which is obviously you know a, 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 like you said, I mean it's, it has elements of like both uh, burden and privilege to to inhabit both of those worlds at the same time, um, and and just challenge right? It's it's um, uh, it's it's a challenge to be uh, simultaneously, uh, in, in, you know, in, in the realm of the here and now and in the realm of the eternal, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and also, you know, potentially opportunity, right? Because you therefore have the potential to like both bring God to people and bring people to God. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, um, uh, along those lines and, and what's, you know, reflected in this passage, um, is the, um, Uh, the the relationship between our, our like physicality, our materiality, our sexuality, um, and sanctity. Uh, you know, we may not necessarily agree with all of Leviticus's prescriptions about how to, um, uh, think about the relationship between, uh, holiness and physicality. Um, but, but I wonder if, if you have any thoughts about that. Like, you know, Leviticus is like clearly getting at that. Um, is that a dimension of your faith? Is that something that you talk about and teach about? Um is it part of your life?
2: um it's It's not anything that I've really given a whole lot of of thought to uh, but but now that you mention it, um you know i I do believe that there's a connection between holiness and physicality and and I think that we I go back to what I say in the beginning it's it's about um keeping us protected you know, not necessarily keeping us safe, but um, kind of keeping, um, keeping us protected from that which might hurt us. And I think that we are the ones that hurt ourselves a lot more often than others hurt us. And so there's something about these rules um, that play out as... I, I hear in them um, just a mechanism for keeping an eye on ourselves, keeping a check on ourselves, um, and and I think that you know every 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 set of rules like that has its own time and place, has its own context. Um, I, I think about the about meditation um, and meditation. Um, in meditation, we're called to look at the really hard parts of, of life. We're called to look at hard emotions that are we're experiencing. And to look at those things is a way of freeing us and of liberating us and allowing us to flourish. Um, so I just have to believe that the overall narrative of anything that I read in Scripture is about allowing us to flourish. And allowing humanity to flourish.
1: Um, I, I I love that. Um, I have a teacher, Rabbi Erwin Kula, um, who who um, who's like really kind of made it his mission to sort of advance that understanding of you know scripture and of Jewish tradition that that this, this is a, a tool chest for human flourishing, right? And that um uh, and that you know uh, um we should approach it. Um, with that kind of like hermeneutic, that like lens of saying like, like how, you know, how does this passage, how would this passage, how would this teaching, how would this practice help me, help me flourish? Um, and, and, you know, what, something that, that, came to mind as you were sharing that, is I have a, um, when I was a teenager, um, I had uh, a, the, the really great privilege of uh, learning from uh, a, a, a speaker and teacher Named Scott Freed, um, who uh, still is uh, um, doing amazing work and and became kind of a mentor to me um, from that time. Uh, Scott was um, was infected with HIV at kind of the height of the um, AIDS epidemic uh, in the eighties, mm. uh, and um, and you know went through a you know a, a really intense period of kind of like. Uh, thinking about how he got to that place, um, and uh, and and what it taught him, and, and how it should um, uh, you know inspire his life and guide his life. Um, and one of the conclusions he came to is that um, you know he did not practice um, uh, you know safe sex um, uh, uh, because he didn't value himself, uh, and uh, and so he you know he really you know. Like ultimately, when it came down to it, didn't care what happened or didn't happen to himself, and he, um, and so he became a, a, a teacher and a speaker on, on this, and, you know, uh, kind of inspired kids from all over the country. And um, one, he tells a story uh, in one of his books that, uh, that there's this one, you know, y- young teenage girl who wrote to him and said, you know, my, my boyfriend really wants um, uh, wants to have sex with me, and and you know, I've never had sex before, and I don't know if I'm ready yet. Um, And she wrote, um, and she wrote, she wanted to write, I'm so scared, but she wrote S-A-C-R-E-D and crossed it out and wrote S-C-A-R-E-D on top of it. Mm. And Scott wrote back to her and said, you'll know you're ready when you can write, I'm so S-A-C-R-E-D and not cross it out.
2: Nice. Yup. Yup, yup, yup. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And um, the, the I, a year ago, I got my doctorate in uh, in biblical preaching, and I did my uh, thesis on mindfulness meditation and preaching the Psalms. And so I used the Psalms. Um, yeah, the the hope, the goal was to get people to preach on the Psalms more because Christian. Preachers don't, because they're frightening to them. <laughs> um, but my my thesis was that the the Psalms help us know who we are, really? and only when we know who we are are we going to be able to to preach with any sort of relevance and um and and imagination, right? And so uh, the the Psalmists are those models for me of what it looks like. Uh, to be in relationship and to be honest about, about who we are. And we can still be sacred and we can be scared and we okay, can I, be mad and we can feel displaced. Um. So anyway, that's off topic. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, it's not. It's a, uh, and, and it's, it's powerful and, and it's beautiful. Um. And it, and it also, I think, gets to the, to the heart of, uh, of, of, you know, what, what, uh you know, what, what is being, um introduced here right is that um is that you know in in pointing out the the kind of like distinctions and boundaries and separations that uh that precept to make because of having to inhabit both of those worlds it reminds us that on some level we are all inhabiting both of those worlds too right we we are human with with all the greatness that comes with being human all the beauty that comes with being human and all the frailty that comes with being human and all the all of the um all the emotionality, all the physicality that comes with it. And simultaneously, we are sacred, right? We are, we are holy. We are um, connect, you know, connected in, in, inseparably um, to each other and to the, the divine. Um, and so, in, you know, it's sort of like in, in pointing out um, the, the, the boundaries that the priests have to make, they're also simultaneously pointing out um, how uh, we're always crossing those boundaries ourselves um, yeah. and, and living in both of those worlds. Um, I, I wanted to uh, see if uh, any of uh, the uh, any of our congregation, maybe one or two people, have a have a question or a comment that they want to uh, uh, bring up. Feel free to unmute yourself if you do.
3: This is Gary Goldberg. I, I'm I'm fascinated about the connection between religion and mindfulness meditation. Um, there's a you know, there's a tradition in Judaism as well of, um, meditation. Um, and I mean, one of the Psalms, uh, actually a verse from the Psalms, um, Psalm 16, eight, um, is, uh, you know, appeals to the idea of, of achieving or seeking equanimity in the face of division. And I mean, especially in our times, where things seem to be so pulled apart um, and where there is so much conflict and tension often. um, How do you see faith as being a way of, of bringing one to a point of equanimity, to a point of seeing things in balance Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to being pulled apart by conflict? That's a (laughs) question.
2: Yeah, there, um, there, Psalm one, the very first word is uh, the happy are they, um, and that that word that's used. And Mike, you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but the the word isn't really about being happy. Um, it it is about um, kind of maintaining a, a sense of of equanimity and balance. You know, so our goal. I've I've always wondered: does God want us to be happy? You know, God wants us to flourish. These are different things, in my opinion. Um, so, I, I think that's the the place to begin. Is what what does balance feel like for us? It's it's in in, in Buddhist language, they would call it craving. Are we craving, um, or or do are we thinking too too low of ourselves? Our goal, I think, our spiritual goal is to find that that in between. To always. Know who we are in relationship with with God, with self, with planet, and with the other only only when we do that, I think will we know what that sense of balance um, feels like and and looks like and And so I think that's what what this time is teaching us. I've heard a lot of people talk about how they've been a lot more in touch with nature. Um, the air is cleaner. Um, I don't know all the the details, but people are really learning what it looks like to step out of the way. Um, and that's that's big. I think that's really big. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I know that that meditating is about um a singularity of of focus. It's about um for me, it's about knowing who who I am and whose I am. Um, and it just puts me in touch to, to the relationship and the sense of connectivity um that i think we are feeling in extreme right now in a weird way feeling super connected but then super disconnected um mike maybe you can follow up on that because that that's it, i know it's a weird it's kind of a weird polarity but that's that's the way i feel i feel super connected and then i also feel very disconnected kind of physically
1: yeah, I mean- I mean, I don't I don't have anything, you know, particularly profound to add to that, because I think that that, you know, was, is, is really insightful. I, the only thing I wanted to um, uh, echo is uh, I, I love uh, that um, that that read of the first psalm, the Hebrew word there is ashray, uh, which uh, uh, many of us are familiar with because we uh, recite a, a another prayer um three times a day uh, every day that starts with it's, uh, ashrei it's ashrei happy are they that dwell in your house um psalm uh 145 if i'm not mistaken uh at eh, 145 right yeah okay kenner uh, was pointing it out to uh and but ashrei uh i mean it's usually translated as happy but like it comes from the same word as uh, as osher, which means wealth right so it's it's like more like fulfilled right um that uh, that you know, like you said, you know, um, uh, uh, the person who has not followed the path of the sinner, uh, or the company, or sat in the company of the scornful, that person is fulfilled, right? And the, the that person is fulfilled. Who uh, it's fulfilling just to dwell with God, right? Uh, that sense of um, which I think goes to the mindfulness, right? Goes to med- Goes to meditative practice. Um, it, 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 in some ways, meditation is about um, acceptance. Um, of uh, of the moment and of, of the here and now of, of you know of of presence, um, and of being able to kind of let go and uh, of desire most of all um, and, uh, and and so that that sense of you know being fulfilled in wherever you know whatever it is that we actually have or lack but nevertheless we feel we, we can feel fulfilled in that um, uh, is uh, what I think Jewish tradition and I think a lot of traditions would say. Um, You know, the root, like Buddhists would say, you know, the essence of suffering um, is desire, right? And I think Judaism was saying the essence of joy um, is an inner sense of fulfillment.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think about that. um, How how can I come into your presence by keeping to your ways? Um, so we're putting ourselves in relationship to God's ways all the time. And, and that's what I, that's what I see you doing. That's what I've seen you do this morning. You're putting yourself in relationship to God's, to God's ways. Um, and then the other, the other weird thing about being a priest, and I think it has to do with a sense of um, balance. And this is, this is, this may sound harsh is I, I get to remind people that they're going to die you know every ash wednesday we get to i get to put ashes on people head on people's heads i mean i and say remember that you're a dust and to dust you shall return i mean talk about the privilege that's a strange privilege to have but to remind people that um that all of this is fleeting and momentary is at one time frightening and liberating, and I think that too is the job, the role of the priest and our faith communities is to to keep that um, to keep that message alive, so that people can flourish, they can they can thrive, they can be released, they can be free.
1: Um, Reverend Charlie Dupree, um, we are just about uh, out of time for this portion of the conversation. It's been such, uh, we could spend hours, I'm sure, going yeah. back and forth and, and hopefully you'll come back and uh, we'll get to continue the conversation another time. Any um, in, any parting words that you want to uh, offer, offer people before we uh, uh, close up the conversation?
2: No, it's just good to be in Richmond. It's good to be with you. And I, I do hope to, to connect with you um, in the future when I can actually like, shake your hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: I feel the same way um, <laughs> or fist bump or elbow <laughs> bump or something. Um, uh, uh, well, uh, Reverend Charlie Dupree of St. Paul's Episcopal Church, thank you so, so much uh, for, uh, for sharing with us your, your heart and your spirit and, and your wisdom um, about uh, how we can um, connect with God and, and each other um, and, and inhabit all the worlds that, uh, that we're called to inhabit and be present uh, uh, for each other uh, in, in this moment. Um, so thank you so much. This has been Socially Distant, Spiritually Close with Rabbi Michael
0: Knopf. I hope that this episode has helped you find a little faith and hope, enrichment and uplift during this complex and challenging time. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. Please also rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice so that others will have an easier time finding us and joining in the conversation. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is recorded during virtual gatherings of my congregation, Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is produced by Dr. Gillian Frank. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Our cover art was designed by Judith Russian using a photograph by Miriam Aniel. I have been your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. Until next time, take care of yourselves
1: and each other.